It truly is the end of an era, people. We witnessed not just one, but two of possibly the best TV finales, TV show finales, what have you, ever. We're taking a break from our normal summer series content. We're not re reviewing The Little Mermaid. We don't, we don't need to do that shit. We're here to recap and break down the finales for both Succession and Barry. Their fourth and final seasons both started around the same time. They both wrapped on the same night. There was very... Very deliberate choices made there. I'm joined by probably the two biggest Succession and Barry fans that I know besides myself, Eli Holicky and Dustin, the Duster Mason. Guys, you ready to break yeah. down these two shows, their finales, oh, everything yeah. they've done over the last four years? It's one Super yes. Excited. I'm going to take that as a second one as well. All that and more on today's episode of the Talking TV Podcast. What is going on, people? Happy Monday. Happy Memorial Day weekend. We're recording this on a Monday morning because, like I said, the two biggest probably TV events of the year we probably just witnessed last night, the season four finales, respectively, for both Succession and Barry. Uh, I wanted to start off this conversation with you two with this, which is where the unique position that both of these two shows find themselves in because we've been with these shows with for what feels like forever. But the truth of the matter is these shows' respective runs compared to some previous, like, iconic shows' runs, they haven't been as long as some of the previous shows' run. You know, you have Sopranos, ran seven seasons. You had Breaking Bad, ran six. You had Game of Thrones, ran eight, and, like, dominated the course of a decade. Mad Men, eight. You had all these long-running shows. And so we've always talked about the idea of the peak prestige era of television and all that. And I wanted to start off this conversation with this, is... These two shows, they both premiered in 2018, right? You had Barry in April, you had Succession in about August, right? Both of the shows had a significant delay between their second and third seasons due to COVID. Succession was delayed about two years, Barry was delayed about three. Then they had another year gap before they both wrapped up for their fourth and final seasons. So now both of these shows have respectively felt a lot more tighter, a lot more cohesive, a lot less spread out, much more focused on, okay, we're doing this, what's best for the story and for the characters. We're not trying to drag this out. Per se. So I just wanted to get your thoughts uh, starting off first and foremost. Eli, I'm going to start with you. How do you think these two shows did as far as like kind of bridging that respective gap between what I like to call the end of the peak prestige TV era, which ends, I would say, around Game of Thrones 2019. It really caps off with Better Call Saul last year as well versus now kind of this weird new streaming era we're in where shows usually only get about a like two to three season run at best. I honestly, I'm all for, you know, the stories like, not needing to be stretched out i i'm a firm believer that like you know if you need only three seasons to tell a story just do it in three seasons yeah there's the whole you know financial aspect of stretching it out but i think in the long run if the show really does succeed and you really don't need to make it any longer than it is then eventually as that show kind of like leaves its like lasting impact in history, more people are just gonna come back to see that. And if it's on HBO Max, I mean, the way these two shows ended, I mean, they're like, I mean, I can't really say that there's a single bad episode between the two shows. Like, you know, maybe when these shows maybe get more popular five, ten years from now, or remembered as like these fantastic, like, you know, TV spectacles, like that's gonna bring more people back to the Max streaming service, I think, to watch in the long run. So, yeah. I think they did the right thing by not really needing necessarily stretching it out. So yeah, that's my exactly. take on it. 
Yeah, Dustin, you and I, we talked a lot about, you know, kind of, I, I would say really when we got into season three, they're like, okay, like how many more seasons could this, specifically with Succession, you know, I feel like less so about Barry, but we're like, okay, like where, where exactly could this end? Because I, I said for a long time, I'm like, yeah, I could see at least two more seasons. I could see them like season four, they're at war with Logan, and then season five, Logan dies, and then there's the aftermath. And essentially, it's almost like, I feel like Jesse Armstrong almost was like reading our minds, but like, now nah, I'm going to take those, like kind of smash it together into one overall season. So what, what were your thoughts on that? Well, uh, like I've told you before plenty of times that Succession is the most like unpredictable show. Like for the most part, like it pretty much is like every, all of our episodes last year talking about like the, you know, the recap episodes that we had for Succession season three, like we were all over the place with mm -hmm. our predictions. And uh, I, I don't even feel comfortable predicting this show. Like even when it comes to this finale, like I wasn't even, because I was I was getting shit wrong every second, but by the end it it started to make a lot more sense. But uh, like Eli was saying, both Succession and Barry have made their cultural splash, and like they're gonna be legacy sh like legacy shows. Like people will like flock to HBO Max. Like younger people will flock to HBO streaming services to watch this shit because they missed it. Like all these other shows that we were just talking about, like The Wire, like that I missed mm -hmm. that. There's still shows that I still need to watch from, you know, years before. So Barry and Succession definitely left their mark. And uh, Succession in particular was just like it just took over the Internet and it really deserved it because it was really the best show in a very long time, probably since Breaking Bad. Yeah, dramatic I, show. I agree. And it's funny because I still remember Barry was a show that I was in on immediately. I will never forget, Dustin. You were the guy. You were pushing me to watch it because I remember I saw that first trailer. And I don't know what it was about that first trailer, but I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, this doesn't seem like my kind of a show. And you were like, you got to watch it. And you literally made me sat down and forced me to watch that first episode. Yeah. And I was like, okay. I'm like, yeah, this is this is great. Okay. And like, I, I, I wasn't quite sure what it was about at first. I'm like, is this a comedy? Is this a drama? I'm like, okay, there's a lot of family stuff going on. But by the time I would say I got about like halfway through season one, like that infamous board meeting episode, uh, you know, which side are you on? Where Kendall first tries to do the, um, you know, the vote of no confidence is that it fails miserably. And that's what I'm like, oh, okay. That's what kind of a show we're in for, you know? If we're going to just start off by talking about Succession, you know, this is a show, I've said this about both these shows, they're, they are simultaneously, they have been able to bridge the gap between being the funniest show on the air and also the darkest show on the air. Like, they flip-flop so often and maintain such this straight, consistent tone. I mean, Eli, how many times were we watching Barry last year where we would go from being like, what the fuck, to laughing our asses off in the one minute. I'll never forget watching that 710 Ed episode last year and just being flabbergasted by where it went. And now, and this season obviously got a lot darker at, with, 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 obviously, with how it was wrapping up. Oh, for sure. <laughs> My initial gut reaction after watching both of the, you know, I got home late last night. I wasn't able to watch them immediately. <clears throat> but I literally was like, I was walking home from, from a job that I was working. I was watching Succession on the train. I got home. I fell asleep. I woke up this morning. I watched Barry. And I'm just left with this sense of like, man, like, it's it, it feels so short. I, I, I still... I haven't quite acknowledged yet and like I haven't quite processed like how these shows have ended because I've had this long running theory that the reason why so many reactions to uh, so many TV series finales besides uh, is the fact that like because people have formed such this attachment to the show to the genre overall, to the vibe, to the characters, what have you. It's that people, like, they form too much of an attachment, and so they're not ready to say goodbye when it ends, especially since so much of the time TV has been so long running for so long. And obviously, because of, you know, 
what's it called? The advancements in technology and streaming and all that, that has caused TV to become a lot more cohesive than it previously has been. And you're seeing now effectively the transition from TV into a series of just shorter films that are just broadcast. You know, like how, how often have we ta been talking about now that the performances, the genre, the risks and storytelling that TV is just willing to take is just so much more than anything that we see in movies now. And the irony being that in a way, I think we're, also seeing like a little bit of a switch because obviously we're in the middle of a writer strike now. We're not getting really, I think, any amazing returning content for shows that we love for not for a while. House of the Dragon, The Boys, not coming back until next year. Almost everything else has been delayed. So in a way, these two really do mark the end of an era because as we've been seeing over the last couple of years, you've been seeing kind of the IP infection that we were seeing in movies now kind of spreading into TV. And we're sort of, again, not seeing somewhat of a comeback, but like movies, I would say, are really starting to return in force. So we're now seeing this weird switch. So I guess another reason why I'm like sad to see these two shows go is because it kind of marks like the end of like the last time that like original stories can be like really, really invigorating and captivating, you know, because as, you know, as much as we love and give credit to Better Call Saul, that show doesn't exist without Breaking Bad. It just doesn't, you know? Yeah, you're completely right. No, and and with and with these two shows, it's like yeah, I can make the argument, you know, like Jesse Armstrong through the Armando Iannucci uh, writing writing, uh, you know, writing school, if you will, you know, with his work on the thick of it in the loop and re and and Veep, um, what's it called, and but then the idea that he has for Succession, and then with Adam McKay. Uh, producing it, and then this show kind of taking or slowly taking over the world. It's kind of impressive. I don't remember the last time that this happened with a show in such a short amount of time. Like, because even with Thrones, like Thrones, I feel like it really, like, it that just built and built and built and built each season. And it wasn't until like five and six that that was like, yeah, this is the biggest show on the air, you know? But Succession, I mean, Dustin, you tell me, when would you say that like Succession really blew up and became like the most watched show? What was it, like two, three? It was like around uh, two. It was like right around when two was starting. And I just like finally binged the first season. And then I, I, I pretty much, uh, I, from my memory, I'm pretty sure that I started it right. Like when the first season was like ending and then I binged it. And uh, then the second season happened. And then the bore on the floor shit really is what. Yeah blew the show up if i'm not mistaken but yeah. i could be wrong yeah it's uh, that 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 bore on the floor scene he <laughs> just if, if we're gonna go down like memory lane right now i mean talk about talk about like an hour of television that is unlike anything i've ever seen before like just i i, I mean like like the, the display of brian first of all i mean th this is another thing dustin that you and i have talked about a lot but the fact that this is the show that finally made brian cox like a household name like brian cox legacy veteran actor been in a million things that we've seen throughout the last like 40 years of his career. First Hannibal Lecter. Shakespeare, the first ever Hannibal Lecter on the movie screen prior to Anthony Hopkins. Again, legacy, he's what I call, again, what the rewatchables have coined the term that guy, you know, where you see his name in a, you see him in a million things, but you don't necessarily know who he is. And now like people now know like, yeah, that's Brian Cox from played, the session. He played Churchill first, like a year, like the same year or the, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the same year Gary Oldman played Wait, really? Churchill. Yeah, his performance got ignored for Gary Oldman. Of course, that was him. probably better knowing him. But yeah, I mean, just the, you, you run down the list. Rushmore, Super Troopers, Adaptation, X-Men 2, uh, Troy, you know, Excel. all of, uh, exactly, you know, all of these different uh, micro, micro parts, you know, the, the first two Jason Bourne movies, you know, he's, he's in the voice of McDonald's now. Is he? Yeah. 
Oh, oh my oh, God. Oh, oh. That's him. That's that's Logan Roy. Wow. I mean, if that isn't perfectly synergetic with with, with, with the show succession, then I don't know what is. Uh, what's it called? Eli, so I, I believe that I got you into both succession and Barry. So remind me, so walk me through your thoughts. When you first started watching this show, like like what what did you expect? Like what was it like anything that you had ever seen before? Um Barry definitely wasn't succession. I feel like I'd maybe seen a few shows like it, but I think kind of how you mentioned earlier, like that, that, that sixth episode with the, uh, the vote of no confidence all going wrong. I'm just like, Oh wow. So this is, yeah, no, the good guys don't win in this. I'm in, no. I'm intrigued now I'm hooked. So that, that was really awesome. Uh, I honestly, I think I started watching succession right around when season three first came out. And I think I was like, just caught up by like the end of it. If I remember correctly. So, um, I got on, on onto it a little late, but, uh, loved every second of the show yeah um i mean same with barry barry is just so many twists and turns it's like you can't not be engaged with it right and exactly. it's so original it's yeah, just it... an original concept of bill Hader. it was just it was just nice seeing bill Hader do something like this and like getting out of his movie career in snl and everything because he's such a dynamic performer when he yes. was on snl like he might have been my favorite uh from my generation of snl cast members but like yeah i i it's just you can't Succession is the most engaging show on TV, but Barry might be the most original. Yeah, like, I, I agree with that. Yeah, it, it's so weird. I, I know I've talked about this in the past, like Bill Hader with that out of that whole cast members. There was always something that felt a little bit different about it, something that felt a little bit more, um, you, you know, innate, something that felt a little bit more personal, something that felt a little bit more dynamic. Like, I felt like he always just had, like, so much more range other than, you know, like the like the silly impressions and and, and, and the comedy and all that. Like, he would, he would if, like, whenever he would pop up as, like, a bit player, I'm like, even if he was surrounded by, like, all superstars, I'm like, I want to know more about that guy. What's that guy's deal? And like seeing him, uh, you know, team up with Alec Berg, you know, that was right in the wake of like when Silicon Valley was starting to take a nosedive. And I'm like, oh, and I saw the premise and I'm like, okay, an assassin that wants to become an actor. Okay. Color me impressed. And then it just keeps going. And like right from the, right from the jump where, where, where you're introduced to all these goofy characters, and, and, and you start to get into, like, the nature of, like, his assassin. I'll never forget that one scene. I think it was, the, like, the second episode when he's, like, on the phone with with, with someone while, while while Fuchs is being, like, ambushed by the, by the Chechens. And that's all happening right in the background. And I'm like, oh, this is something completely different that I've never seen before and this is this is this is going to be great so well I, I again like it's it's both of these shows have kind of added their respective uh, reputations to the pop culture lexicon in terms of just how dynamically they're able to engage with their originality but both with their kind of in a way both of these shows are very very prescient and understanding of like kind of everything that's going on right now you know like like barry i feel like has this really innate sense of like kind of the sociopathy that goes on with like a lot of people that like some people may not even be aware that they have because that's what makes that character in a way so compelling and so charming is it's like this dude is a sociopath but because he ha comes from such a sympathetic background like it's very very difficult for people to see past him and that even plays into how the finale goes down where he i mean if we're gonna get into spoilers right now he fucking dies he dies in a way that is really deserving and then he gets glorified for it yeah. as this unbelievably like metatextual, like completely self-aware, not quite poking fun, but kind of being understanding and kind of again showing them like like showing a mirror to society in terms of like this is how much we are willing to forgive these guys 
even though, despite the heinous and horrific things that they have done, it goes all the way back to the first episode where where, where the prison guard like wants to give him a break because he's on TV, and then he turns to him and straight up tells him, he's like, yeah, I'm a fucking murderer. And like, and, and the way that it glorifies it, where Gene takes the fall for for Barry and all of his for and all of his crimes, and Barry is laid to rest with full honors. Like it's, I'm, I'm like I'm still just getting over that. I only watched this like not even an, not even like two hours ago, and I'm still reeling from it. Like guys, like walk me through your thoughts on that. Like just in general before oh, we get so to the discussion. So we're gonna do Barry first. Yeah, okay. we'll do Barry first. I thought that episode was very good. I have some issues with it, though. I don't like Fuchs's uh, redemption arc at mm. all. I don't. I don't like. I, I don't think he's redeemed at all. And I and I don't like that he got away into the darkness. And uh, what is it with these shows? These crime shows where they introduce these fucking awful sociopathic straight evil characters like Fuchs and Laura Linney on Ozark oh, and God. they just refuse to fucking murder them. They refuse. How, why? Why? I mean, why? well, I, I mean, just, the, I can't the, understand the, this shit. The Laura Linney thing. I'd like, I would, you know, we've had problems with that from like the minute that that started because, but because Ozark just kind of went down the tube, but Eli, I mean, I'm, I don't know. I like at the same time, like I get where you're coming from because Fuchs, I definitely think has kind of been a little bit of a frustrating point and a little bit of a weak link for the show. He's the one who caused everything. Now. He's the reason why this whole show exists. He's the reason he's a hitman. He's the reason he gets in all this fucking trouble and he's such a rat. And then yeah. out of nowhere in the middle of this season, he just becomes like an indestructible fucking tough guy who with a, with Andre Highland and his crew, who I really, I, that's an actor I really like. But the white guy, the tall gangly white guy, that's Andre Highland. Uh, hopefully he's in more stuff. But yeah, it's just I, him just getting a wife and a stepdaughter just that quickly and just him just having this moral superiority over Hank at the end. I was like, dude, you caused this entire fucking show. You're the reason why they even know the Chechens to begin with. You're such a fucking asshole. And just him having that, like, Breaking Bad moment with uh, Barry at the end, where, like, it's like Jesse and Walter at the last episode of Breaking Bad. They're just looking at each other. It's just not earned. And just him not really getting a proper conclusion pissed me off. And then answering your question, finally, mm. Gene Cousineau getting the rap, not a fan. Not a, And it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense to me that with all the, the evidence that's that, that connects to Barry and Fuchs and everything, how and especially of how smart they built the Robert Wisdom character up to be, how could he be that easily convinced that Gene is now the murderer? It just doesn't make sense. And like you're saying, like the, the show is trying for like the last six minutes to have this big statement about like, hypocrisy and just glorification of awful people but i don't even know how to interpret that movie because the movie itself just looks like satirical like it doesn't look like a like even like a cohesive drama it looks almost like a like a tropic thunder kind of a yeah parody almost. that's right yeah exactly and then the best part of the movie though is the the addition of jim cummings playing barry who's one of my <laughs> that's favorite who that was that's one oh of my, my favorite God. independent filmmakers and actors working today and he's outstanding but this show didn't even give him the proper material to really like 
you know, be the, the movie Barry, in my opinion. I don't know. The last six minutes really just left a sour taste in my mouth and have a Jaden Lieber. Yeah, I was about to say, I saw Jaden Lieber, Jaden Martell, whatever his name is. And I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay. So he's, he's like grown up version of Barry's kid there. Yeah. It's just, I, I, I did really love uh, most of the episodes. Sarah Goldberg and Anthony Kerrigan uh, both were phenomenal this season in particular. I thought they were probably the two standouts. I loved what they were trying to do with Henry Wickler, but it all kind of felt aimless near the end. And just like I said, him taking the rap felt very disingenuous and just ludicrous in my opinion. It definitely felt like they needed like a patsy and scapegoat. And it, like, it, it, like if I could like interpret like what, what went on with Fuchs and, and Gene, my whole thing is it's like, it's very clear that they're trying that they, they have a very strong idea like of, of how they're trying to like end them like on a theme basis on like a on like a, on a metaphor basis where it's like yeah Gene's ego ultimately will always get him in trouble and and and, and will and will always uh come first despite his uh despite his intentions to do good and Fuchs yeah my whole thing with Fuchs is it's like yeah at the end of the day like his his he, he loves Barry in a way, even though he has gone about it in the completely wrong way. And at the end, he's, he's always, go he, he can never bring himself to hurt Barry. Like every single chance he has, like he always has to do it from afar. He always has to like do some back dealing, double dealing. It always comes back to bite him in the ass. And at the end of the day, he always backsteps and always like ends up helping Barry out at the end. So while it may make for some inconsistent storytelling, at the very least, I got it on a thematic level. Eli, what, what are your thoughts on that? I've always thought that I mean, in a way, Fuchs is kind of just as much the heart of the show as Barry. I mean, whenever it's Barry not making the big, like, uh, decisions that kind of lead to all these different plot points, it's Fuchs. Like, the, the revenge army, for one. I mean, think about how much of a role that played in pretty much all of season three and into season four. I think I honestly liked uh, their conclusion. I think it was kind of bittersweet. I kind of talked about this with Dom uh in like the past couple days but to me like on a thematic level fuchs kind of always represented the idea that barry could like never change his ways and like never truly redeem himself mm -hmm. because especially like you just see the way he like talks to other characters like hank it's like no i mean you killed cristobal you're you're a horrible person you know you just admit it man like you're you're terrible and uh just all these things and i i thought it was honestly really nice how he kind of in the end, like kind of saw himself for what he was when he kind of was face to face with Barry's son. And it kind of just all seemed like to hit him in, at once. I mean, his acting, I mean, like, even though he wasn't saying anything, I think was still phenomenal. And uh, I just think like he kind of saw all the mistakes that he made with Barry and kind of the cruel person that he was when he saw his son and sort of like in that moment kind of forgave himself and made peace with himself, I think. And that's kind of what the show has always been about. I mean, especially this last season with it's like all these characters trying to like, try and like change their past or like rewrite their history basically. And like, really, I mean, Fuchs was one of the only people who was able to do that, even though he like did all these horrible things and yeah, we don't kind of really get to see his ending, but I, I don't think that was really the point. Yeah, you know, and as for like the Barry movie, I think that was it was kind of meant to be like really shitty. Like yeah. it's it's just never gonna yeah you know yeah. truly encapsulate. Very clearly but... meant to be like satirical and biting and poking fun. Yeah. Like it's yeah not yeah it's but, not supposed to be taken seriously. When you see the react, that's what I thought. And then when you see the kid reacting to it like genuinely, I was just like, okay, so what are we supposed to take from that? that that to me was just like pure confusion because like the, the thing is that like even though sally 
kind of like sort of told him what his dad really did. I have a feeling that the that the conversation as far as like what his dad actually did and what his dad like the type of person that his dad really was. I have a feeling that that conversation, that in-depth conversation never happened. So as a result, he kind of doesn't know what to make of it because in his mind, he's probably thinking, okay, there are probably, there are definitely parts of this that are fabricated, the parts that he knows, but there's also probably a lot of truth to this as well. And so he just doesn't know what to make of it. And so it's probably just like utter confusion. So that right there, it's just like a complete genuine reaction in terms of like, I don't know what to make of this, you know, because it's like, yes, my dad do all this, did all this, some, all, some of this stuff. And also like my dad didn't do any of this stuff. Like, like, I don't even, I don't even know if he had any sort of a relationship or basically, I don't even think he even met Kusuno. So I don't even think he was able to like form any sort of a basis as far as like the type of person that Gene was really. No, so no, but the movie is like making it seem like Gene was like some like tall British guy. Oh, <laughs> and it's like, like hilarious. What the fuck? That it's was like, hilarious to it's me. It's so goofy. That, like, I mean, they're it's trying a... to paint him like that, but he's not like that at all. Not like, at all. And, and yeah. if anything, that, that's kind of like, it's so funny because like this show is actually considered a comedy, even though this season was, I would say is like, outside of a few select moments, like the rocket in the last episode, which was just oh, it's a dark incredible. Comedy, but like the sure. Fast and the Furious conversation. <laughs> But yeah, like, that was... You know what I'm saying in terms of like th yeah. this is easily the darkest that the show has ever gotten. So the fact that they were like still able to insert some bits of of comedy, even though they were so few and far between, I thought was great. You know, what did you think of yeah. uh what what did you guys think of the way that, of 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 Hank dying? You know, I I think that of all of the deaths, I think that one was the most earned because like yeah, like it was you know, fitting the the way that he like did Crystal Ball and like he dies at the foot of Crystal Ball statue. It's like yeah, like he he had yeah. to go out, he had to suffer for his actions. You know, he was just bleeding out right and just yeah. in agonized. All right, I was having it. Did anybody just the way the camera was like staring? Did it didn't it look like he was jerking off, or was that just me? I, I think I, that's I, just oh, you. the way his one arm was. I, yeah, I, the, the way his one arm and the way he was kind of moaning and just like like holding on to the hand. I thought he was jacking on blood there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I I was thinking either or, but like it, it like it, it seemed like weird to me. But like it was definitely a fitting either or with with or without the jerking off. I'm sorry. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that that was a fitting death. Uh, Sally, what 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 is she doing? Like 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 high school theater basically is what she's doing now. Yeah, um, I'm yeah. assuming like what are they like? It's maybe. snowing, so I'm assuming they're back in. Uh, I'm assuming they went back to Minnesota or or somewhere. Um, what's it called? I, I'm still getting over the, like, I don't know. I think the other big thing that came from this season, and this is the last point that'll leave us off on before we jump to succession is I think that this season dived very headfirst into surrealism in a way that, I, I mean, the, the show was already adopting like a little bit more of a surrealist edge, uh, in, in the last season yeah, the last that season, the first two seasons yeah. really didn't have. But what I will say is that the sort the surrealist edge, I think that what kind of threw people off is that the show didn't really do. I would say if there was one weak point over, other than what I would say is it, but other than a phenomenally strong and very consistent season, Bill Hader did a phenomenal job directing all eight episodes of mm -hmm. this. I think that the surrealist edges they did not do an adequate enough job of distinguishing between the real life elements and the surrealist elements, and maybe that was by intention and design. But like, if you're gonna compare this to The Sopranos, which had a lot of dream fugue state surrealist element to it, you kind of always knew when it was a dream versus when it wasn't. And in yeah. this one, like when they had the time jump to eight years later in season five, uh, sorry, in episode five, I was like, wait, is this supposed to be real or is this a dream? And I, and I didn't know if it was real or not until the end when you see Gene at the end. And, and they almost like kind of had to put that scene there in order to like, like specifically state that it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like, um, I, uh, like as this, someone this, this who, is real. as someone who just like recently rewatched the entire show with my friends to get them like 
hype for the finale. Uh, there was a lot of callbacks, especially in like that first, like the first two seasons about like, he always had these visions of like his future with Sally. And I think that kind of was like maybe the tease, just like how kind of shitty their lives were when they did finally get their happy ending. Like, right. uh, you know, I mean, Barry, like, I mean, think about their treatment of John when he was younger. Like, he, he really was not living a good life. Oh, no, and, no, not at all. They're living in an isolated, like, box house in the middle of nowhere. You know, she works a shitty yeah. waitress job and is drinking every night, you know? That's, he's that's why I, I kind of always felt like Barry kind of had to die because, like, he basically, like, he did his time and then he kind of he kind of got his happy ending, even though it wasn't really that great. He, like, tried to just convince himself and Sally that like, just, Oh, well, as if we become super religious and like, just, you know, ask God for forgiveness, we'll eventually get it. But I think what's really tragic about it is he really, he kind of made right by his wrongs, like right in the end, but it was in like, but, and by was, then it was, Dean was like five late. seconds away. It was like right there. And, it was like, like, and the minute that he said to Sally, it's like, it's like, listen, he's like, I already, I already did all this. I already saved you guys. So that kind of redeemed me. I'm like, Oh, Oh no. Oh no. That's, that's not happening. Now. I yeah, think, I, I think it's, it's really interesting. I think he really <clears> needed the absence of his family to kind of realize that for himself. Yeah. Definitely, and then the, and then the way the way that the the, the final gunshot happens with oh god, oh my gosh, che so shocking. Chekhov's gun, man, Chekhov's gun. There's there's still use that that is Bill Hader knowing his film history and film terminology. So yeah, before we move on to Succession, so both of you two, where would you say Barry season four ranks within the overall canon of Barry? The oh, whole I show think, is yeah. great. It's pretty much all even keel for me. I I don't know if I would rank. Maybe the first season is the weakest because it just starts everything, but like, it, and it just gets progressively more interesting and like entertaining as it goes. So I don't know. Got it. I think it's I don't great. think I can really distinguish between season three and four. Those are my two favorites. Yeah, because mm -hmm. they blend so seamlessly together in terms yes. of like where one ends and where one begins. Yeah, ah, uh, I don't know. Like I always flash back to like individual moments from each season. Like I think of again the the infamous the Ronnie Lilly episode from season oh, two, the seven ten n episode from last season. Also a very underrated the Limonada episode where Gene is getting chased by all the dogs and Barry across that that. Still has me crying laughing to this day. A um, couple of episodes, the, the, the first season, the penultimate when he kills Chris. Like, yeah, it's just, this is such a consistent show that has such a very distinct, like, like unified, like, auteurist approach to it. I would say even more so than Succession, I would say this show is, like, really just, like, it, it, it's 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 a true work. It's a, it's the true work of an auteur, and I really can't wait to see what Bill Hader does next, and if this leads into like Bill Hader becoming like the next in a line of like really incredible actor turned directors. Like I'd be, I would, I would definitely be happy to see that. So now let's move on to Succession. So we've been building to it for nine episodes now. Really, I would say, I mean, the first two episodes definitely in terms of like setting up like this, this the new sibling dynamic in the wake of. The, of, the, of the Waystar Gojo deal, you know, Kendall, Shiv, and Roman all teamed up. But, like, once Logan dies in episode three, in a moment that was definitely, like, a lot of people kind of figured out that, like, Logan was going to die at a certain point, but they were mm. not expecting it to happen that early on. And the minute that it happened, it's just like, they just lit the fuse that was just waiting for the fucking rocket to go off in these last couple of episodes. Because, I mean, holy shit, from, the, from, 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 from Kendall and Roman getting announced as CEO and CFO, to the initial meeting with Matson, to the living plus goofiness, to the tailgate party, and then following up the election and Logan's funeral. It's just been like banger after banger after banger, nonstop anxiety for the last like 
eight, nine weeks. Freaking, and the fact also that's, and I don't, as far as like the timing and the logistics of it, I'm still not that quite sure. But the fact that like each one of these episodes takes place like a day after each other. So supposedly this entire season only takes place over the course of like a week and a half, not even like, and it all leads up to ultimately it comes down to, again, it's, it's ironically the fact that a show about the, uh, a succession a, a takeover, right? It's supposed to be King Lear. It's, it's emulating King Lear. It's emulating Godfather, the idea of who will ultimately get the throne. And it comes down to good old-fashioned democracy. It's, I mean, obviously jury rigging behind the scenes, trying to sway votes, you know, introducing new factors, all of that. But it comes down to a good old-fashioned democracy. And very similar to King Lear, these fucking siblings just cannot get their shit together because they had it. They had it. They had the company. They beat him. They had the equivalent of Logan at the end. And, and I, I think that the ultimate summation of what can be gained from this finale is these freaking Roys are just never going to let, are never going to get past themselves. They're never going to get past themselves. Ultimately, as much as we hate Logan and as much as we, and as much as Logan screwed them all up from a very early age, he was right. They are not serious people. They are never going to be able to get out of their own way. And that's exactly what happened here. And we saw it and they lost. And now Tom's in charge of Waystar, which is just, I mean, Dustin, could there not be a more fitting end to somebody who you basically said was like pretty much your favorite actor on the show from like yeah. the first season? Yeah, it's either him and Jeremy Strong were my like big like like those are the two performances this show is going to be remembered for, for in my opinion, like in a, in a in a barrage of like amazing performances on this show. But like those two in particular, it's it's I was rooting for either of them to win, but this would have been a perfect finale if it was Kendall. All I'm saying, it would have been. But, it would have been perfect. But I'm also glad it, that it, it, it would have been the way it did. It is. I am glad it, it wasn't a bad ending or anything. It's a great episode. I just am disappointed uh, that they, the writing, decided to just pull out the. Oh, remember the dead kid from season one? And within the last 15 minutes of the entire show. See, I was like, waiting I, for it. I wasn't because that's tacky and just forget about it already. Oh yeah. Well, well what about you, uh, Shiv? What about you? Like you, uh, uh, what about the, uh, you know, coercing the sexual assault uh, victim into not like, you know, that whole thing. Oh, like, they're all she, terrible or, people. Or, or, all- or Roman yeah. with the dick pics with Jerry, you know, like, like yeah. none, of that, none of that came out about those two. Yeah. And I'm still, he should have brought up, once and for all, that he didn't kill the kid just because the kid fucking is the that one that was who confusing. The wheel. Where he's like, "Oh, the, the kid, you know, that like it drove in the car, but I wasn't there. I wasn't in the car." That was where I'm like, uh... "That's where he was like starting." That's the to moment spiral. it was all over for yeah, him. Yeah, that's where no, that's it was over it was as soon as they went to that room. Yeah, I think it, it was very, I think it was very in character for Shiv though to kind of just that just knife of that. That oh, yeah. it's very like just. Even though, like, he told that to her in such, like, a vulnerable moment, like, arguably, like, his lowest point in the show, and just, like, she used it to backstab him in the end just because she just could not grasp the concept of it being him and yeah. just, like, didn't just – couldn't live with She's herself. She's the if worst she let person it. on this show by I far. mean, I, I think if we're talking well, about Kendall – I think she if is. we're talking about Besides Kendall, Logan, obviously. Yeah, I, I think if we're talking about Kendall – for a brief second there. I think that what happened was is that when the show started, the show needed to give you somebody to root for, quote unquote. You know, like it needed somebody to propose, like the to to represent like the guy that can come in and say them. You know, they need to represent Logan as like the old world 
Um, you, you know, you know, this is everything that's wrong with what happened before. And Kendall's going to be the white knight that's going to come in and save everything, you know, and he's going to be waylaid and, and, and held back and everybody's going to be against him. Nobody's going to take him seriously. And so that's going to ultimately make him the guy to root for. And then as time went on, it definitely happened a lot more progressively than I think people realize because people are being like, oh, Kendall's an idiot. He's a dipshit. He's just another spoiled trust fund privilege kid. And he is. But at the same time, the show was definitely making him, I feel like, a lot more sympathetic with those first two seasons. And then I feel like after the end of season two going into season three, that's when the layer started to be pulled back. And that's when Kendall started to be revealed as, nah, Kendall is just as shitty as the rest of these people and the rest of his siblings. And going into season four, this final season, that was when they were really doubling down on the, okay, Kendall, it, it's the two sides of Kendall. It's the Kendall that wants to be like his dad. And he came this close, you know, in terms of like finally seeming, make it, you know, finally getting out of his own way. Now that his dad is out of his way, he's finally having a couple of successes, you know, making the decision to keep the company and not, and not just give it away to Matson, having the victory with the living plus thing. Um, what's it called? You know, make it, making the call. Once he realized that shit was doing double dealing, all of that. And so I think that that's kind of where the confusion of Kendall comes from is the fact that he was ultimately introduced to us as being probably the most sympathetic. It was between him and Greg as far as being the most sympathetic characters, quote unquote. And then as time went on, he was ultimately revealed to not be. And then when it comes to Shiv, the whole thing about Shiv, to me, this was the perfect ending that her character deserved because even though, because Shiv, because everyone, I feel like everybody when they talk about Shiv is that she's an inconsistent character. She can't make decisions. You know, is she smart? Is she not? All of that. And to me, I, I guess the reason why I've never been confused about what Shiv is like is because she's the Cersei Lannister of the show. She's a character who has ultimately grown up with all of this privilege, has always tried to make a name for herself and make her stance individualized, you know, as a woman in a primarily dominated man's world. And But she's not nearly as smart as she thinks she is, especially when it comes to the corporate side, to, to, to the corporate America side, when she's had most of her life in politics. And as a result, she gets fucked over every chance that she gets, you know? Oh, she yeah. always throws her lot in, thinking that she's got the thinking that she's got the leg up, and then something comes out of nowhere, and she ends up having to react to it, where, again, I, I was talking to Eli about this this morning. She is the definition of a cuts-off-her-own-nose to spite her face type of a character where they willingly give, where she willingly fucks over Kendall after agreeing to it simply because she just can't see him as CEO. That's the only reason. Despite the fact that jealousy. she knows, yeah. despite the fact that she knows she, without a shadow of a doubt, that the alternative is Tom as CEO and her ultimately happens. So she's like, wow, who do I choose? My dipshit brother who, uh, who, who, would keep the company, but also represents all these things that I fundamentally, right? Because we all know Shiv doesn't give a fuck about fundamentals, really, at the end of the day. Not because really. she because she's just as willing because she hooks up Matson with Mankin, the the episode right beforehand. Um when the episode before she was preaching all this bullshit about how, you know, Mankin's a fascist and she's gonna destroy America, all this. And, and, and that that happens one minute. And then the next, it's like or, or Tom, who it's like, you know, this person who I don't take seriously but has shown time and time again that he's the only one that is willing to have the killer instinct. It's, it's ironic that, like, Logan always, uh, you know, targeted Kendall as far as, like, you know, you're not it, you don't have the guts, you're my eldest son, I love you, but you're, you're not the guy, yeah. when Tom was always hanging out there. And even though Tom, we thought at the beginning of the season when Logan died, we're like, oh, Tom's screwed. At the end of the day, Tom, not being a Roy, was probably the best thing that he had going for it, be, going mm -hmm. for him, because he was the only one 
that having not grown up with the silver spoon in his mouth, he was the only one to really have that killer instinct and really wanted, which is ironic because Matson fucking didn't take him seriously and thought he was a joke for a majority of the season and now is like, yeah, you're the guy. And part of that is definitely because of Greg, for sure, you know, because he probably saw their dynamic and, he, you know, with how close he got with Greg over the course of the season. But, Ooh. yeah. And then as far as Roman goes, I mean – in a way, I think Roman is the one who got the best ending because he's the one that finally realized and he's the one that openly admitted it, you know? And I it's agree. crazy. Roman being arguably, like, I, I would make an argument that, like, Roman ultimately was the shittiest character on the show in terms of, like, literally flashing, like, what was that? Like, a, like, like a, what, like a hundred, a hundred thousand to that kid? A million. A million, a million. Yeah, offering to give a million, million dollars yeah. to that kid in the first episode and then it purposefully striking him out just, you know, just for shits and giggles. And he's the one that finally acknowledges is like, yeah, we, we, we're we not shit. We don't matter. You know, this, all of this, he's like, and he even says, he's like, yeah, this CEO position, it will just slowly kill anyone that gets involved. So, like I said, in terms of um, the specifics of the writing choices, yes, for sure, could poke them full of holes, but in terms of how they wrapped up each character individually, I thought, job well done. I, I think the only thing, really, Eli, that was missing was we never saw Greg get to fuck over Tom, but in a way, I feel like also that's what that bathroom scene was for as well, because finally getting to see Greg stand oh, up yeah. in the office that, like, that was him. awesome. That was I incredible. Went, oh! Yeah. I was like, holy shit! Like, I was what? like, Whoo. No, that, <laughs> that was, was satisfying great. enough for me. I, I, I almost... Uh-oh. Greg, oh, no. And then he was gonna pull out the recording he had of uh of like when they had that conversation about burning the documents. It's like just keep me around and Tom would just be like, oh god. But yeah, right. I honestly, I was, I was I honestly really like the way they handled it. I mean, I really like the ambiguity surrounding like Tom specifically Tom's ending and like how he's just holding hands with Shiv. You know, it was just like fantastic. I think yes. Honestly, like Tom, like really like he's not like a true, true winner because at the end of the day, he's like going to be like kind of submissive to Matson, and he's not really going to have as much control as he really wants. And, but I do think he, he got the, the leg up on Shiv. I mean, just think about it like five episodes ago, she was oh, like yeah. kicking dirt on his shoes and like, just like how far it's come. Like I knew because he, he, he wasn't really in like much of the, the funeral episode. Like I knew he was going to play a bigger role in the finale. Like they were trying to keep him like tucked away. And I, I really am, very pleased with how it all went and like tom just walking in at the end like just like you could tell just he was like carrying himself so much yes, stronger it was like definitely fantastic. i'm like that is a different tom that i've ever seen on the oh, show for just sure. a couple notes of that the, the the way that shiv is holding his hand that their their fingers are not interlocked at all yep. she just has it like placed on it's almost like she's begging for mercy i saw a note i think it was on like the wikipedia profile for the finale because i always go back and like read over like any plot points just to make sure that i didn't miss anything and it said like shiv realizing that like she's become her mom like where she has just become subservient yep to the new CEO. And I was like, holy shit. And like, that goes right back yeah. to the conversation that she was having with her mom in the season three penultimate where she's like, oh my God, like in all of my hatred and all of my fruitfulness and, and work that I've done to make sure that I am not my mom, I have become my mom. And, and even um, how... Even how she like talked about like oh I won't really see the kid like the nanny's gonna raise it it's like yeah right. no you're, yeah, no, you're <laughs> it's a cycle it's, it's I think that's kind of what the whole show is it trying just to repeats exactly you remember going, going especially going with Kendall back. I think Kendall yes. Kendall encapsulates that the most it's just like Kendall really I mean just it's just never really changed for him it's like every season he comes so close to getting what he wants and right when he's on the brink of that major success it just falls apart. 
And it's it's really it's like tragic almost because he like he gave up everything like he like just completely severed ties with his family and like that last episode like with the funeral like how they felt unsafe after the election and like he chose like the power over like the love and everything he he thought he was gonna get from everything and exactly. he was left with nothing in the end except a fat like what two billion dollar check or something like that so something like that yeah from the from the from the payout yeah well what was it that Matson said the original deal was gonna be what was it like 192 million and now like with them fighting him I don't even know what that amount would be Dustin what were you gonna say I was gonna say remember that shot of Matson like looking at the magazine and you see that cartoon yeah. of Shiv like yeah. puppeteering. Oh, that him. that definitely got to him. That's Without essentially what he wants to do with Tom. Right. Like, yeah. He wants to do that so he could be the puppet master of her. Essentially, it's just yeah, it's great. And uh, yeah, they set that up well. Skarsgård was very good on this show. I love Tom. I think Tom's a great character and he's definitely one of the most sympathetic characters on the show just because, yeah, he's slimy too, just like everybody else. But you kind of understand why he's slimy in comparison to the other guys. Mm -hmm. He was because always he's the not outsider. in the family. He's not an, like he's an outsider. He had to like do it himself and go to a good school himself. And like he, he, he did it all for himself and he, this is what he wanted. And he really did win by the end on his own terms for the most part. And he still has Greg. He won with Greg because he put the sticker on him at the end. That was perfect. That was awesome. Nick, I Nicholas love that. Nicholas Braun was terrific on this season. Also, Nicholas Braun really uh, grew on me as this character. A oh, after I was sure. starting to like, kind of get bothered by him in season three, uh, season four is what he really, it came full circle, especially with him slapping Tom like confidently. That was at the perfect. End. Like that, that, was that so perfect subtlety. It's it's yes. a subtle performance that absolutely deserves another Emmy nomination this year. I think. Yes, uh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, yeah, no, nothing really went anywhere with the Carrie character or Jerry. Didn't really get anything uh, uh, that much to do this episode. Um, Hugo's probably fucked. Hugh, uh, Hugo's absolutely fucked. That, yeah. I was just waiting. I'm Hugo's surprised we didn't fucked. see it, but I, I was waiting. Where dude, You could just see when he's like shaking hands with Tom. Again, all again, just showing all these characters. They're all lapped off. I particularly thought it was really hilarious in the, in like right when the board vote was about to happen. And you saw Frank running in the background. Yeah. He knew that Frank was in favor of the deal. So the minute he knew that like all the siblings were now like going to try and gang up and be against it. And even with Stewie too, where Stewie is immediately like coming up to shake Tom's hand. I'm like, yeah, none of these people are friends. None of these people actually care all they do is go for the money you know this, this whole idea of like you know the, the, yeah and that's another thing that i loved about the show too is again like representing the idea of like you know fealty and loyalty all that is bullshit you know it's all just kind of you know where the where the money goes and where the epicenter of power is and the minute that it becomes clear that kendall is no longer the epicenter of power that's just when again it all it all goes out the window and as, as far as where it goes with just like the final shot of kendall and him just walking Again, with, with that stone-faced, Kendall miserable look that Jeremy Strong has become so good at over the last couple of seasons. And he's just walking towards the water with, with, with Colin the Grim Reaper right behind him. And I'm just like, I don't know if Colin's like walking about there to kill him or to make sure that he doesn't kill himself. Like, I don't know what's going on, but him just staring out of the water and then it just fades to black. And I'm just like, Mwah, chef's kiss. You know, yeah. like it, 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 it's, it's perfect the way that it ends. Um. Shakespearean. Yeah. yeah, very, very, very much so. Yeah. I just want to say that one of the yeah. 
best parts of this show for me was Tom and Greg's relationship. I just think that oh. it was just oh, yeah. fantastic. And it, it really says just so much about like the environment mm. they were in where like Tom was just bullied by everyone. And then the moment he had someone under him, he just like jumped at the opportunity to just kind of do the same thing. But then he like, he almost was like taken aback because Greg moved up the ladder so much quicker just because of like, he was a Roy and like, it really like put off Tom a lot. And it was just, oh, it was yeah. just such an interesting dynamic. I love also never get over when, when, when he invited Greg into his office just to use somebody as a human footstool. Yeah. <laughs> and then oh, when, that um, fantastic. oh, that, and, and then last season, I will never forget when he, when he tells him the story about the Roman emperor who castrated and married his own servant after he pushed his wife down the stairs. Yeah. I'm like, and and, the, and then when he says that to Greg, I'm like, oh my! I'm like, I don't even know what to care. I'm like, this isn't a friendship. This isn't a bromance. This isn't a uh this this isn't like a domineering like, and this isn't like a latent like homosexual relationship. I'm like, I don't know what this is, but this and is gotta be perfect. Like, that was perfect foreshadowing for his like betrayal of Shiv at the end of season three too. That Absolutely. was kind of what it was meant to be hinting at. It was like fantastic. It's like he really he chose Greg over Shiv over end, Shiv every time, every time, and it always benefited him. And, and, and at the end of season three, when he's like, you know, you know, you want to sell your soul to the devil, you know, who in this family has ever looked out for you except for me? And he was right, unfortunately. Yeah. Also, I wanted to make another stretch. And bear with me because this is gonna seem really wild. But I think if I can apply my own like kind of unique take. This series pulled off what the Star Wars sequel trilogy was unable to because you had the bad guy come in, completely eviscerate the main characters and make his stamp on it. And ultimately, uh, you know, because Matson wins at the end of the day. You know, Matson, who is this last minute, like, this last minute insert ancillary antagonist that's meant to represent, like, again, nobody in succession is directly based off of anybody. It's supposed to be like this conglomerate, this like Tim Cook meets Elon Musk kind of bro y, uh, slightly psychopathic, foreign, uh, tech bro CEO who comes in and just demolishes this ancient legacy media company. And these chuckleheads all think that they can stand up to him. But they just can't. And the way that he kind of just like pokes and weaves in. And also it was just such a joy to see Skarsgård back on HBO for sure. Because I feel like after True Blood, Skarsgård like had a really interesting and weird film career where they were trying to make him like a traditional leading man. But he's almost like a Brad Pitt in the sense of where his acting style is so polarly polar opposite to like the 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 physical the physical presence that he has mm-hmm. so like because like he always i think is better when he's like being able to play simultaneously like intense but also like being goofy and have fun and this is really the first time that i've been able to see him do that since uh since true blood really i would say you know because they're putting him in like things like tarzan and the north man and i'm like yeah obviously because he's a six foot eight jacked viking but like that's not who he is, you know? In a weird way, even though it was the worst episode of the season, I thought his fun little cameo that he had in the third season finale of Atlanta, it was completely unexpected and random, oh, but, like, oh, him just being there just oh, to, like, awesome. have fun, like, yeah, that's what he does. But, yeah, no, I but I, I loved him in succession, and I thought he was a great last-minute insert. was not at all expecting him to have as big of a part that he did, but I'm glad that he did. Like we're, said, ta- we're talking about great TV. Don't bring yes. up the season three of Atlanta. Please. Yeah, let's, let's leave that in the past. Let's leave that yeah, last year. Please. But yeah. So guys, with that being said, your final thoughts on succession in terms of saying goodbye to the show once and for all. Dustin, we're going to start with you. It's bittersweet. I love this show. It's the most well-written show. It has the best dialogue. It has arguably the best humor of the last few years on any show. I've laughed super hard and it has the best musical score 
on any show in a very long time. Uh, Brattel's score is outstanding, and uh, it really drives the show. The cast, it's the best ensemble on television. Jeremy Strong, Matthew McFadden, Sarah Snook, uh, Snook. Uh, Kieran Culkin, who's the best Culkin, honestly. Even though I, I'm waiting for Rory to get a huge role again because he's yeah, really right. good. But anyway, uh, yeah, uh, Nicholas Braun, like I said, Brian Cox was outstanding. Yeah, is a Mark Mylod is one of the essential television directors for yes. sure. Between this and some of the best episodes of Entourage, he directed absolutely, also. and and a couple of the last couple season episodes of Game of Thrones as well. Uh, Did that as well. That's cool. Yeah, he and the menu, like the dude's yes. killing it. Like I really hope that he becomes like one of the big directors of our uh, future. And uh, yeah, I, I, it was definitely a satisfying episode. It didn't completely piss me off. Shiv is just a endlessly irritating petty character and i know they're all petty to a certain degree but like she really didn't have a concrete reason to do what she did other than pettiness and just spite of her brother and uh yeah it, it's not the ending i would have chose but I'm, I'm just glad she didn't really win she just gets to be a rich wife still you know but tom really won in the end and that's that's fine with me i just felt bad for kendall because i thought it was building this whole arc with him becoming turning into his father finally, but it just kind of pulled the rug under us. But like I said, that's not that surprising for the uh, most uh, unpredictable show on television. Mm -hmm. I will miss the fucking shit out of succession. We're not going to have a show that uh, has its grip on the cultural uh, landscape as well as this did. And it's, it, it turned people that don't even like shows like this into a fan of, a, of this show. So it's, it's going to go down in history as like one of the very best dramatic television shows of all time. Yes, absolutely. Eli, your thought, your final thoughts on the finale. Couldn't agree more. Um, absolutely going to go down as one of the, like the best TV shows of all time, at least of our generation. I think like it's really going to be hard to top. Um, just, I mean, what more is there to say, man? Just the cast, the the score. I mean, I don't want to just rehash everything Justin said, but uh, there's just I loved it, loved every second of it. I think it really, in many ways, was just like a perfect TV show for my kind of tastes. And I mean, I'm just gonna be recommending this to everyone for till the end of time, basically. So loved it, loved every second of it. Absolutely, yeah. I'm not gonna go star ratings on this one because it's uh, I I don't think a star rating would 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 justify the, the, this this show and its existence just in general because I think this the quality of the show just speaks for itself. Yeah, this has been the best show really that that covered the transition from the late 2010s into the 2020s in in the wake of the disaster of the Thrones finale. And I'm gonna say right now, I don't think we're gonna get another. I don't think we're going to get another HBO show of this caliber for quite a, for quite a long while, you know? And honestly now Probably, yeah. with the transition from HBO to max as well. Yeah, Dustin. Oh no, I was, I was just stretching my bed. Okay. Yeah. I think for the transition from HBO to max as well. And like kind of with, with even more of the hampering down on streaming and with how little money that's going to come into it. Yeah. We're, we're not going to see the show to, for a show of this caliber for of, of both of these shows calibers. For a while, you know, just huge props again, the cast, the creators for all these shows, for making these shows as good as they were. It's bittersweet. I'm going to miss these guys. I can't wait to see what these actors do next. We know McFadden is already going to be in Deadpool 3 and Kieran Culkin. I can't wait to see what comes next for him. Nicholas Braun, you know, Brian Cox has had a long career, but still him as well. Sarah Snook, Jeremy oh, Strong. Nicholas Braun's probably done after this because he has allegations that oh, he was like God. with underage girls. But like, if he, like three weeks ago, but like before this season came on, he was the internet's like 
teddy bear. And now, as soon as one allegation, very, not even very convenient is all yeah. that I'm going to say. Very, yeah, it... very convenient. And it's not even like proven like that he did anything. And like people are just like, he's a piece of shit. So he's probably not going to get any work anymore. That's sad. That's but, uh... very distressing. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Well, with that being said, like I said, I, I I know that Jeremy Strong will be in a Broadway play sometime next year that I will definitely be watching. But with that being said, people, that's it. Succession and Barry, they're both over. Both farewell to both of them. Eli, where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? Um, yeah, pretty much all I got is on Instagram still. Definitely going to make a YouTube channel like by the end of the year. I, I hopefully but uh soccer podcast yeah. soccer uh, podcast yeah if anyone likes soccer um uh you know dom's like crazy about movies and tv i'm pretty much the same way with soccer i could tell you the who won the world cup every single year and just everything about every single player that you would ever know's career so um you like Ted yeah what well, funny uh, you should I mention that Ted Lasso, believe it or not i'm still oh it's really waiting good. to get around to it but uh yeah if you want to find me um i pretty much just have an instagram my uh my handle is e underscore holicky like it's spelled on the screen h o l i c k y forty five that is e underscore holicky forty five on Instagram shoot me a DM I've had two people DM me from this already had some interesting conversations so um yeah feel free to shoot me another one guys if you're out there happy to talk about movies TV love it all so yeah that's all I got. Absolutely. Dustin, where can the good people follow you on the interwebs? They can follow me on Twitter, on Letterboxd, Dustin Mason. They can follow me on YouTube, Mr. G Movie Reviews. And, uh, yeah. And, of course, follow myself at Movie Nerd Reviews across all platforms. Be sure to follow the official Talking TV podcast across all platforms. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Follow us on Twitch. This episode will be available on Spotify. Probably I'm going to get this up, honestly, today because it's already Monday. So, screw it. People will have the whole week to watch it. And, as always, people, yeah. remember, 12 seasons in a short film. And another succession. Watch more fucking movies. We'll see you guys next time.